Welcome to Facts Roundtable, a podcast dedicated to navigating life with food allergies across the lifespan. Presented in a welcoming format with interviews and open discussions, each episode will explore a specific topic, leaving you with the facts to know or use. Information presented via this podcast is educational and not intended to provide individual medical advice. Please consult with your personal board-certified allergist or healthcare providers for advice specific to your situation. Hi, everyone. I'm Caroline Mawasasi, and I am your host for the FACT Roundtable podcast. I am a food allergy parent, advocate, and the founder of the Grateful Foodie blog, and I am FACT's Vice President of Community Relations. Before we start today, I just want to take a moment and thank the National Peanut Board for their kind sponsorship of today's show and for all of their support over the years. We're taking a deep dive into how to prepare your kindergarten through fourth grade student for school with food allergies. Separation can really be a challenge if you're not ready. But to help your family have the best school experience possible this year, we're sitting down with Emery Brown, FACTS Director of Behavioral Health. Emery is a nationally certified school psychologist who holds a Bachelor's of Science in Public Health with a concentration in health communication from the College of New Jersey. And she also holds a Master's of Arts in School Psychology from Rowan University. Welcome, Emery. We are absolutely delighted to host you again today on Facts Roundtable podcast to discuss how to prepare your K through fourth grade student with food allergies for separation from parents and caregivers as they head off to school. Thanks so much for having me back. You know, it's hard to start thinking about returning to school already, but I know that it's coming soon. Before we go too deep into our conversation, can you provide our listeners with a brief peek into your background, both professionally and a patient who lives with food allergies? So I'm FACTS Director of Behavioral Health, and in addition to that, I'm a school psychologist. The primary age group that I work with is preschool through sixth grade with a specific focus in early childhood. I also live with food allergies myself. Like you said, I'm allergic to all dairy, fish, peanuts and seeds, and I have oral allergy syndrome to several fruits and vegetables. So as I mentioned previously, we're focusing on children age kindergarten to fourth grade. So can you help listeners understand what is separation and how does it affect children in this age group, especially when you're managing food allergies? That's a great question. And, you know, separation and specifically separation anxiety is typical for development. When babies and infants, when they have their mother or father leave the room, they get upset because they haven't developed something called object permanence yet. So when somebody leaves, a baby thinks they're never coming back. And that can be really unsettling for them. But then object permanence is learned and we kind of see these separation anxiety-like behaviors such as clinginess and crying and tantruming. We see that dissipate around age three to an extent. But other kids continue to deal with issues as it relates to separation and can develop something called separation anxiety disorder, which is a mental health issue. Children with specifically separation anxiety in the form of a disorder worry a lot about being apart from family members or other people that they're close to. So this child has a distinct fear of being lost from their family or left behind or something bad occurring to a family member when he or she is not with the person. So when it comes to going back to school, 
you're naturally not with your family members. I know that we do have a large homeschool population that listen to our podcast as well. In the case of homeschool, of course, you would still get to be with your parent or a close caregiver. But if you're sending your child off to school, that separation is going to be something that naturally happens. And again, to a certain degree, there's going to be a natural part of separation that can be worrying or anxiety producing. And it's going to be normal to feel part of that because that's part of growing up. And like I said, it's normal in very young children. And then we see that dissipate a little bit. When we talk about it in the form of separation anxiety disorder, that's a little bit more severe. And the worries and fears go beyond what would be appropriate for their age. Now, separation anxiety disorder, we can be biologically more prone to developing anxiety or different environmental factors, meaning the things that just happen in our life can make us more prone to developing this. So children inherit a tendency to be anxious. That can play a part. Anxiety can be learned from family members, but also a traumatic event can cause separation anxiety disorder. I'd like to focus on that just for a moment because when we talk about kids that are managing food allergies, families that are managing food allergies, we've talked about trauma on several podcasts in the past, but traumatic events can be having an anaphylactic reaction. It can be being bullied at school because of your food allergies. So if a child that has managed food allergies has experienced something like this, they're going to be at a higher risk for having a separation anxiety disorder or just more symptoms of separation anxiety, even if it's not a full-blown disorder, than say someone that doesn't have a health issue to manage. Having a health issue to manage is an extra level of responsibility and something that the child's going to have to think about, especially schools just as they were this year. You know, we're talking, they're open full day, they're having lunch in the lunchroom again. Some schools have strict policies about allergen-free classrooms and allergen-free tables. Other schools don't. So there's going to be a lot to manage and prepare for. When we're talking about separation anxiety, yes, the children that we're raising, the children we know or the siblings that we have, if we're talking, you know, if an older sibling might be listening in today, this population is, is going to have a higher risk for this kind of separation to affect them in some sort of way. Thank you. That was wonderful. That was a great explanation. So now going even deeper with this, what steps can a family take to prepare their children for separation? Because it looks like it's a very naturally occurring item. Exactly. And that's a key question because if you want to survive and thrive with a child that has separation anxiety, preparation is going to be key. So are brisk transitions. So if you know that your child's going to likely be upset that first day of school, that first week of school, and they're going to cry or perhaps tantrum or tell you they don't want to go, the longer you prolong that transition and say, okay, and take your time, it might seem like a good thing taking your time, staying with them a little extra, having them go into school late, but that actually can prolong the anxiety and make it worse. So you're going to want to have it be a brisk transition, say that you know how they feel, but that they have to go to school or they have to go to the after-school program or whatever it might be, and make it a, a really quick transition for them. And that can evolve over time. Another way that parents can help prepare their children is be consistent. Don't just come back based on a child's plea. Don't cancel plans because of separation anxiety. Your consistency, the consistency of your explanations of why this has to occur. And then, of course, your diligence to return exactly when you say are going to be key because the consistent showing up of an adult when they say they're going to show up is going to be key to have that 
separation anxiety dissipate. So if you say you're going to pick a child up at 3.30, pick them up at 3.30. Or if there's going to be a change in schedule, like they have to go to the after school program, whatever it may be, say you're going to go to the after school program today and I will be there to pick you up at 4.30. So if there's going to be a change in schedule, let them know at the top of their day. Show your child reinsurance and encourage age-appropriate independence. You know, today we're talking about early childhood, kindergarten to fourth grade, but there is a huge difference between a kindergarten child and a fourth grade child. So encourage that age-appropriate independence. Maybe stand a couple feet back and let your kindergarten child walk in to the school building by yourself. For a fourth grader, you can let them go from the car perhaps and encourage them that they can do it themselves and you're gonna give a little bit of that independence to them. And then lastly, recognize situations that may stress out your child. And knowing what stresses your child can help you plan ahead. We're all gonna have different stressors. Perhaps your child's stressed out about having a new teacher. Or perhaps your child's stressed out because they're not sure what you're gonna pack them for lunch, right? These are easy to alleviate and you can help your child work through that. Some of the times the separation anxiety is gonna be very clear that the worry is nonsensical, right? They're worried that there's a monster under their bed. You can tell them with 100% certainty that a monster is not under their bed or under their desk or in the closet of the classroom, right? You can say, I'm 100% sure that there's no monster, you're gonna be safe. So there are some things that our child have nonsensical anxieties that we can easily alleviate. But other times, the anxieties that our children have are quite reasonable. They're worried about a bully from last year or they're worried because they found out none of their friends are in their classroom. So they're worried about making new ones. So if you talk honestly and earnestly with your child about their worries, you can help them create a plan and empower them creating a plan together to tackle whatever their worry or anxiety is. I have a couple other tips, Caroline, as well, some being drive by the school. So in the days or weeks leading up to going back to school, drive by it and say, oh, that's the school that you're going to be headed to in just a couple weeks. You're going to be going back there. If you've moved to a new area or your child's been promoted, some schools, such as the district that I work at, we have a lower elementary and an upper elementary. So if your child's transitioning schools this year, you can show them pictures of the school, the classrooms, the eating spaces. Tell them what they'll have for lunch and try to run them through the schedule of the day as best as possible. And then lastly, if needed, create a visual schedule. Um, So some kids learn by seeing a little bit better. So you can print out a picture of the school, then a picture of math, a picture of, you know, reading work, then lunch, then recess, and show them uh, visually what's going to happen throughout the day. And you can also practice separating. If it's really truly that exact separation, not necessarily the fear of the unknown, which sometimes comes after that, practice separating. Say, I'm, I'm going to go on a 20-minute walk. I'll be back. I'm going to run to the grocery store. You're going to stay here with your older sibling. I'll be back. And practice separating with things that involve you leaving rather than them leaving. And then it'll eventually be reversed when they head off to school. These are fantastic tips. And I confess to driving by the school with our kids. And then when my children started college, we did the same thing where we would go on campus early so they could just walk around and just look at the buildings and just get a feel for the campus. It was really fun, but I'm just so excited that you shared that tip because I know I saw in my children the success from just getting over that initial nervousness. 
That's fantastic. And you bring up a good point about it being fun too. These little activities, these tips, these practices, they can be fun. And if your child goes to a public school, that means that the playgrounds are public to use as well. Go ahead of time, make the school your park for the day or the playground and visit it and play with the equipment and get excited. I love that. So fun. You shared some fabulous tips with us, but what would be your two top favorite tips for parents and caregivers to take as they prepare their little ones? My first tip would be give adequate warning. So the example would be, okay, five days until school starts, four days until you're going to leave each morning for school. So give adequate warning while being specific five days, four days, three days, rather than just the night before or even just the week before and then the night before. You want to give consistent, adequate warning that a change is about to happen. And the second is get excited. Your children are going to feed off of your energy. If you're worried, they'll be worried. If you're excited, they'll be more likely to be excited. So get excited, even if you're nervous yourself. Focus on the good things about going back to school, learning, time with friends, recess. There's a lot to be excited about when going back to school. So make sure that you consistently share that with your child. These are amazing. Thank you so much. I know listeners are probably just as excited as I am. But now let's turn to adults. So what if a parent or caregiver begins to actually feel anxious themselves or uneasy with the separation? What suggestions would you have for that? That's a great question too, and totally and completely understandable. And in part, again, we talked at the beginning about how separation is a part of, and the anxiety related to separation is a part of childhood development, but it also comes from, you know, caring relationships. Kids don't want to leave you because they know that you care for them. You're going to keep them safe. That's a good thing. So it's rightful that you would be feeling anxious or uneasy about the same thing because you trust yourself to keep your child safe. And now you're putting that trust onto somebody else. So the first thing I would say is talk to the administration or your child's teacher, if you know who they're going to be assigned to about your concerns, whether you're anxious about the size of the classroom or if there's going to be food in the classroom, whatever it may be, feeling connected to the school climate can make you feel a little bit better about sending your child off. I know that a lot of our listeners might have 504s for their child as well. A lot of those meetings or initial prep meetings happen in August. So take this time to request a 504 plan to go over again with administration and teachers your care plan uh, with your child. That's something that can alleviate anxiousness when it comes to your child's food allergies. The second advice that I would have for parents and caregivers are to use coping thoughts. You know, we get ourselves in three major coping traps when it comes to anxiety. The trap of catastrophizing, which essentially means it's going to be the worst possible outcome. The second trap that we find ourselves in is avoiding it. Maybe I'll keep my children home for another year, or maybe I'll just pick them up early because you want to avoid the anxiousness. So avoidance is another typical coping trap that we find ourselves in. And the last trap is perfectionism. So you might be going above and beyond to make sure your kid has the perfect lunch and the perfect backpack and the perfect school supplies. And those are different ways that we get into traps with our anxiety. So for each coping trap, there's a coping thought. So if you're a catastrophizer, you can say, things are usually never as bad as the worst. For avoiding, you can say, I'll never know if I never try. And for perfection, 
is you can say, I'm just going to try my best or my best is good enough. So we want to use coping thoughts to combat the different kind of anxiety that we have around separation. And then lastly, keep your anxieties private away from your children. Definitely confide your anxieties in others, whether that's your spouse or a trusted friend, a counselor that you go to. Definitely share your anxieties with age-appropriate peers, but don't let your children hear about your anxiety in excess. You can say to your child, I see that you're worried. I get worried sometimes too, but we can X, Y, Z, do whatever it is to get over it. You don't want your child to understand or see that you can't overcome your anxiety. Even if that's true, we're all working through different things, certainly, but you want school to be a positive experience for your child. And if you let your anxieties be on full display all the time for them when it comes to school, then that is the approach that they're going to have for school as well. These, again, are amazing, but you just mentioned anxiety. So let's turn to the children. What tips would you have for children who might be feeling that anxiety on their own? I know you mentioned some things earlier, but do you have any additional tips? Get ready the night before. Lay out your clothes. Pack your lunch. I know some children and some parents, when we talk about that age-appropriate independence, will have them start to help pack their lunch or pack their snacks, right? Let's do that the night before to leave the anxiety of rushing in the morning. A child could carry a memento in their backpack. A lot of the times children aren't necessarily allowed to bring out toys or have stuffed animals or something like that. But if they keep them in their backpack, a lot of schools will let you do that. Carry a family photo or a nice little locket with a family photo inside that the child can look at and remind them that their family's there for them. Those are great little tricks that can help a child feel a little bit connected to home when they're away from home. And then lastly, practice coping skills. So whether it's you do a coping skill before you eat dinner every night, or whether it's you incorporate coping skills into the daily life as we lead back to going into school, like a family yoga night or a five-minute morning meditation that you do together that can be treated as fun, what you're really doing is teaching your child coping skills. They can practice those on their own or with you. I can't believe it, but we are already at the end of our time together. I could just listen to you all day long, but we actually have to end. So before we sign off, is there anything else you would like listeners to hear from you? I'd just like to remind everybody that it's important to talk to their kids about what worries them and offer that support. So a lot of time we have our own anxieties when it comes to going back to school. And on the flip side, some of us really had great experiences when we go off to school and have a hard time understanding why our children would have separation anxiety. So we say things that we mean well, like, it's going to be fine. Don't worry. This was the same school you went to last year. All your friends are going to be there. You don't have to worry. And we mean these well. We say them kindly, but they don't always offer the support that a child's needs, right? Your child might be afraid they might not make new friends. They might be afraid they're not going to get along with their teacher. The thought of schoolwork after a summer freedom might be stressing them out. Or there could be a bully from last year. So there's a lot of things that might worry a child. And you're going to want to first acknowledge their feelings and then help them work through a solution. So remember to say, I understand why you're worried. It is scary to go back to school. It can be nerve-wracking to start a new year. But, and then offer the plan or offer them, what do you think 
you can do to feel better about this. And maybe make a plan with them. You're going to hang out with Sally or you sit next to Billy or I'll be there at 3.30 to pick you up and you can tell me all about it. So you want to help them create a plan and you want to make sure that their ideas are in that plan as well. And on the flip side as well, if your child's not worried, don't ask them leading questions because then they're going to feel like there is something to be worried about. So it's better to not ask your child, are you worried about going back to school? Because that implies to them there should be something to worry about when it comes back to school. So instead, ask a little bit more of an open-ended question. How are you feeling about going back to school? And then they can pick the feeling that's best for them. Maybe they're excited. Maybe they're happy. Maybe they're worried and excited or just anxious and nothing else, right? But you're empowering them to give the words to it rather than leading them into a feeling that they might not feel. This has been phenomenal. I am so biased because I wish this data was available to me back in the day, but I'm so grateful you're here sharing this. Thank you again, Emery, for your time. We always look forward to having you on the podcast. Thanks for having me, Caroline. Before we say goodbye, I just want to take a moment to say thank you once again to the National Peanut Board for sponsoring today's highly informative show. Thank you for listening to Facts Roundtable Podcast. Stay tuned for future episodes coming soon. Please subscribe, leave a review, and listen to our podcast on Pandora, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and Stitcher. Have a great day and always be kind to one another. <laughs>